So I don't want to alarm anyone, but I would like to take us for a moment back to the world of middle school mathematics. <laughs> Travel with me, if you will, to your middle school math room. Mmm, take in the odor of scented lip gloss and pubescent fear. Just feel it. I imagine you might have had a similar experience as I did in middle school, seventh grade, pre-algebra, when I all of a sudden discovered that my math teacher had been lying to me for months. I honestly, I don't really remember the full specifics of this, I just remember my indignance. Suffice to say, we had spent an entire unit trying to factor algebraic equations using the method our teacher had given us, which was slow and painstaking. And all of a sudden, after weeks of homework and problem sets, she introduced the quadratic formula, the shortcut, the easy version, which, of course, had been there all along. Now, such a revelation is not solely confined to the world of math. We all encounter in our lives that moment of realization where we see that there has been more than one way to reach an answer, more than one way to process the world, more than one way to tell and receive a story. There are the simple, clean, painless, quadratic formula versions and far more often, there's the complicated and messy ones. And the question is, which path best serves us? I think a lot about that question at this time of year as I've been telling our Purim story. This Wednesday, Purim Eve, I told it twice. Once in the evening at our community celebration and once in the morning to our preschoolers. As you can imagine, these two stories looked very different from one another to the preschoolers. And then Haman was very mean, and he was upset he didn't get his way. So he told all the Jewish people to go away. But instead, Esther saved them, and Haman had to go away. And the Jews lived peacefully and happily ever after, and that's why courage is so important. Hooray, Hamantaschen. <laughs> that's the easy version. For the adult listeners, I felt compelled to bring in a little bit of the messiness, the icky parts in chapters 8 and 9 we sometimes like to skip for example, when the Jews are given permission to defend themselves and end up killing 75,000 people in the kingdom. And of course, age-appropriate storytelling has its place. But I worry sometimes that we allow ourselves to live in the pediatric version of things, in our tradition and in our lives, when what we really need sometimes is the ick, the trudge, the problems, no matter how messy they may be. And there is no book of the Torah more willing to embrace messiness than the book of Leviticus. As you all know, I think by now, my vegetarian soul suffers 
some queasiness when it comes to the lengthy descriptions of animal sacrifices that we began last week and which continue in this week's portion of Tzav. You would think that this book would be the last place to find easy answers or the children's version of things. And yet, a midrash in Leviticus Rabbah on Tzav, this portion, suggests otherwise. It reads, Rabbi Asi says, why do we begin teaching children with the laws of the priests here in Leviticus? Why don't we begin with Genesis? Because children are pure and the sacrifices are pure. So pure things must study pure things. Now, I still don't know if I agree with Rav Asi, if it's the best idea to force our little ones to study animal guts and gore. But that might not be the full meaning of this little teaching. I think rather it forces us to consider how the simple and the complicated intersect. Perhaps our tradition wants us to see that there is no ignoring the messiest part. Indeed, that there might be purity in that pursuit. And perhaps, too, it wants us to come to the messiness of our own lives with the eyes of a child who can see things for what they are, rather than an adult who seeks to hide from them. If Rabbi Asi believes that children can study the complex and at times concerning rules of the priesthood, then all the more so should we, be able to handle complexities in our texts and in our lives. I think we still, all of us, fall into the trap of wanting to find the neat and easy formula which will make things clean and sterile. But without the guts of things, Leviticus seems to say, there can be no closeness to realities both human and divine. This doesn't mean exposing our three-year-olds to violence or discomfort, Shushan-based or otherwise, but it might mean for us having the hard conversations with the people we love rather than hiding what hurts us. It might mean facing your own failings, your own mortality, your own human complexity straight on. It might mean encountering our sacred tradition in all its purity and impurity, without looking away. We deserve, and our Judaism deserves, an honest reckoning. I think there is nothing that better captures that message than this poem by the late and great Israeli poet Yehuda Amichai. He wrote, I filtered out of the book of Esther the residue of vulgar joy, and out of the book of Jeremiah, the howl of pain in the guts. And out of the Song of Songs, the endless search for love. And out of the book of Genesis, the dreams and Cain. And out of Ecclesiastes, the despair. And out of the book of Job, Job. And from what was left over, I pasted for myself a new Bible. Now I live censored and pasted and limited and in peace. 
A woman asked me last night in the darkened street about the well-being of another woman who had died before her time and not in anyone's time. Out of great tiredness, I answered her, she's fine, she's fine. True, we could filter our sacred texts and our lives. We could live censored and pasted and limited and in peace. But we would miss the real truth of our reality. We need the messiness of Leviticus. It's holy, impurely, imperfect purity. We need it for our children in ways they can understand, and we certainly need it for ourselves. So I encourage all of us to come to the difficult parts of our stories in the Torah and in our lives, trying to see them for their fullness without turning away. I encourage us to engage in the work of study, of learning, self-reflection, and exploration that marks a lifetime of grappling with messiness and wrestling it for a blessing. This Shabbat, I pray that when our formulas fail us, we have the courage to take the more difficult path for what it is. May we find sacredness in the guts of things, the pieces of our lives and our faith that we would sooner excise out. And may we, in seeing their fullness, find our way to an uncensored, unpasted, limitless peace.